0: Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations all based on a biblical worldview. Today we're going to look at a story we're going to be in just one section of the Bible so I ask you to open your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings beginning in chapter 21. 2nd Kings chapter 21. Now, it's a fascinating story. It's a story of Josiah. And what makes Josiah famous is that he began to reign as king when he was 8 years old. Now, let's be honest. How many of you would trust your own household to an 8-year-old? I would be eating cereal three times a day, seven days a week with ice cream for dessert. So I'm not trusting my household to an eight-year-old. Hannah just turned seven. But let alone the Lord had wanted to do something in the life of Josiah and in the life of Israel, but Josiah's life wasn't easy. Imagine coming from this lineage. And so if you look at 2 Kings chapter 21, beginning in verse 19, you see that Josiah's lineage wasn't something necessarily to be proud of. 2nd Kings chapter 21 verse 19. It says, "Amon was 22 years old when he became king and he reigned two years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Meshulameth the daughter of Haruz of Jokba. He did evil in the sight of the Lord as Manasseh his father had done For he walked in all the ways of his father had walked and served the idols which his father had served and worshiped them. Now think of it. Think of it. If you're an eight-year-old, a lot of influence in your life comes from where? Your parents. And especially if your dad happens to be the president of the United States or the king of Israel, you would think your father would have a lot of influence in your life. But he only reigned two years. He reigned only two years because he was wicked and he was basically taken out by his underlings. So he forsook, verse 22, the Lord, the God of his fathers, and did not walk in the way of the Lord. The servants of Amon conspired against him and killed the king in his own house. That's how good of a man he was that his evil, wicked servants said he's not worth living and in two years he killed they killed him but that's not even the half of it that's his father look at his grandfather go back a few verses same chapter beginning in verse 21 manasseh was 12 years old when he became king and he reigned 55 years in jerusalem and his mother's name was hezibah he did evil in the sight of the lord according to the abominations of the nation whom the Lord disposed before the sons of Israel. Think about it. He was so bad that the very reason God had to dispose the nations that Israel conquered, this king was now doing. God had given the Canaanites 430 years to fill up the cup of his wrath, and yet now his own people are doing the same thing. Verse 5. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. In the very house of God, he built pagan temples to worship the God of heaven. But he was doing it in a way that displeased the God of heaven. Verse 6, to make it even worse, this is Josiah's grandfather. He made his sons pass through the fire practiced witchcraft and used divination and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. <clears throat> Everything he did in verse 6, independently was deserving of death. Now you add them all up together and you can see how evil his influence was. Verse 16, 21, 16. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. Besides his sins, which he made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. What are your odds for a good upbringing when that's your father and your grandfather? right? What are the odds of you growing up right when these people are not only your father and your grandfather but they are also the leaders in the nation who are supposed to be leading the nation in a good way what are your chances of turning out right but look at chapter 22 as we enter into the story of Josiah Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned 31 years 29 more years than his wicked father who was killed after two years In Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidah. The daughter of Adiah. Of Bozkath. Verse 2 is key. He did right. In the sight of the Lord. He did what? Right. In the sight of the Lord. See it doesn't matter where you come from. It's who do you keep before you. It doesn't matter the influence you were raised or the household you were raised in. If you know the Lord and you seek after him, you can rise above the ashes of any influence. It doesn't matter what society is doing around you. It doesn't matter how, how desperate society gets. If you stay focused on the cross of Jesus Christ, if you stay focused on God, you will do what is right in the sight of the Lord. But it's not like the influences in his life were good. But we can overcome that. He was raised by a godly mother and praise God for godly parents. Whether it's a godly father raising children on his own or a godly mother raising children on her own, she was no doubt, in this case, a praying mother. She prayed for him. She no doubt trusted in God She she combated the evil influences of her husband. And that's why the Bible mentions her name. One parent in a godless relationship can make a difference. If you're a single parent or married to an unconverted sinner, don't give up. It is God that watches over you. He can help you through prayer and instruction overcome the influence of others. He can help you through His church. Lean on God, lean on Him, and if the church should fail you, trust in the proverbs. Found, trust in the promise found in Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. There is power in the Word of God, and we can lean on that. But look at this: his father was evil. His grandfather was worse. But verse 2 tells us something curious. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. David? Really? David? Are we talking about the same David? Adulterer David? Murderer David? The one who trusted in his own army instead of God's army David? Why would the Bible highlight David? It's because David is a representative of who we all really are. No one here would claim to be perfect, would you? I used to be perfect when I had hair on my head. (laughs) But then the Lord took care of that. David, why David though? Because David is a reminder that we are not perfect. But David understood that when he messed up and he was made aware of his sin, he knew where to turn to and that is the Lord God Almighty. When you've made a mess of your life, when you find yourself desperate for a solution, when you realize there is no earthly thing that can help you, David knew that I'd rather be punished by the Lord than punished by the world. David understood where his heart was and where his heart belonged. David understood that no matter how many times I have messed up, I can go back to my heavenly father. And that's why Josiah modeled his life after David. The Bible says he did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father, David. And nor did he turn aside to the right or to the left. In other words, listen to me. Josiah, despite the shortcomings he had by his father, his grandfather, despite the shortcomings of having David as an example, Josiah, listen, was in a faith-saving relationship with God. Pay attention to that. Josiah was in a faith-saving relationship regardless of the darkness around him and the imperfect character of which he modeled his life after. Why? Because he didn't look at David the man, he looked at who David represented, or, who, or the example of David of turning to God every time he failed. Josiah was in a faith-saving relationship with God. And he didn't turn to the right or to the left. He didn't turn to the Republican Party or to the Democratic Party. He didn't turn to liberalism or to conservatism. He turned to the Lord. A man who committed grievous sins such as adultery murder then tried to cover it up. But David is a resounding example that we could always turn to God because he will receive us when we are repented. Let's continue. Verse 4. Verse 3. Now in the 18th year of King Josiah, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, that he may count the money brought in the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people, Verse 5, let them deliver it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord and let them give it to the workmen who are the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house to the carpenters and to the builders and the masons for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Verse 7, only no accountability, no accounting shall be made with them for the money. Deliver it into their hands for they deal what? Faithfully. Now think about it. They had a good relationship with his servants. Josiah is in a faith-saving relationship with God, and he had a good relationship with those around him. So much so, I mean, he had a better relationship than me and Arlene, because Arlene makes me turn in the receipts (laughs) in order to get reimbursed. But this guy said, look, don't even worry about it. Just give him the money. Noah Connie has to be taken care of. These guys deal what? Faithfully. So they had a good relationship. There's nothing better than to be in a church where everybody gets along. Doesn't mean we have to agree on everything, but we get along, we know that everybody's motive is headed in the right direction and that we love each other. The same at work. When you work with people you like, it's pleasant. It, it, you want to go to work. You want to explore things. And so these people had a great relationship. And so he gave them money. And look, and when it comes to money, people get tight, right? Every penny needs to be counted for. Everything needs to be in the up and up. Why? It's good practice like that. There are no questions, no no room for insinuating doubt or anything. And if something should go wrong, there's a trail where you can trace it back. Amen. Amen, amen. amen from the treasurer. <laughs> Verse eight. Then he like then. Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shapan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shapan who read it. Shepan, the scribes came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Now pay attention to what's happening here. So they go do the work. They're doing the work. And they want to repair the house of the Lord. Good thing or bad thing? Good thing. As a matter of fact, we ourselves are looking for a building so we can continue to expand and worship and praise the Lord. Right. So it's a good thing. But in the meantime, they find the book of the law. And the high priest gives it to Shaphan, which is a scribe. The scribe, they read it and nothing happens business as usual. They read the word of the Lord. They, the priest, business as usual. They give it back to the king. Remember, the king is in a faith-saving relationship with God. Moreover, Shapan the scribe, verse 10, told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. Now look what happens. Verse 11. When the king heard the, wo- the words of the book of the law, He tore his clothes. Why would he do that? When you look at the Bible, when you read the Bible, when somebody tears their clothes, it's either pronouncing blasphemy, you know, indicating that somebody has blasphemed or is deserving of death. Remember, the high priest tears his robes hypocritically when Jesus supposedly blasphemed against God. So the priest reads the words of the Lord, unmoved. Shapan reads the word of the Lord, unmoved. The king reads the words of the law. And he tears his clothes. Now let's review. Remember, I've said this several times now. Josiah is in a faith-saving relationship with God. He's in a... to put it even further, he's in a saving relationship with God. And yet he tears his clothes. He is concerned because the ones that have gone before him have strayed so far from God, God's book, that they did not even know it, though they were in a faith-saving relationship with God. Think about it. They were so far from God's truth. And we're not talking about lost people. Remember, Josiah did everything that was right in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart to the right or to the left. He followed the example of his father David, who we know wasn't perfect, but when he was confronted with his sins, returned to the only person who can repair your sins. This is not somebody who's lost. This is somebody who's in a faith-saving relationship with God, yet he was so far off from the truth that when he was confronted with the truth, he tore his robe. That's not happening in society today, is it? People who claim to be in the truth but uh, don't realize that They're so far from it. But if you've never seen a biblical example of the grace and love of God, it's the story of Josiah. Because we're not saved by works. We're saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We're saved by His grace. But you can be saved. Saved in a faith-saving relationship with God. But be so far from the truth that when you're confronted with the truth, all you can say like Isaiah is woe is me. For I am undone. And I am a man of unclean lips. Josiah had realized. Lord have mercy. Look what happens. In verse 12. Then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest. Ahikam the son of Shepan. Akabor the son of Micaiah. Shepan the scribe. And Isaiah the king's servant saying. Please. Go inquire of the Lord for me and the people in all Judea, verse 13, concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Josiah was so in tune with God that he realized that all they, they deserved was what? Death. That's why when you ask me often, how are you doing? I answer, better than I deserve. Why? Because if I'm honest with myself, I deserve death. For the wages of sin is death. But the grace of God is eternal life. Sometimes we look at the world and we see, man, look how sinful they are. Look how negligent they are. But we can be in a faith-saving relationship with God. So we're not lost. But we can be so far from His ways and may not even know it. But Josiah had a tender heart. And he wasn't satisfied with just being in a faith-saving relationship with God. He wanted to please God. He wanted to honor God. He wanted to follow God as closely as he could. And so he asked and he inquired and he sent his leaders to find out what must we do. So Josiah, let me share this. I was driving home one day visiting Southern back, going back to New Jersey. In the car there was three of us. My cousin, Three cousins, my cousin Alan, my cousin Gladys, and my cousin Jenny. I wasn't in the Lord at this time, but I had gone visit Southern to visit some of my friends. And now we're driving from Southern to New Jersey, which is a 12-hour trip. And at that time, there wasn't you know, Apple Music or anything, so I had a CD player. Some of you young kids know what that is? (laughs) In the car with a 12-disc CD changer in the back. And we were listening to Jerry Seinfeld stand-up comedy. And we were just laughing. And you know, Seinfeld is actually no cursing, nothing. And we were just having such a grand old time. And we listened to the whole CD, which was about five hours of stand-up comedy. It's a 12-hour trip, we had time. Then it's finally over. We're f- laughing. Dawn is starting to come, and I see a sign that says Cincinnati, Ohio. This was before CarPlay and GPS in your phone. Cincinnati, Ohio. I look back at my cousin Jenny, who had the map. I said, Jenny, Cincinnati, Ohio? and this was her response she said we were having such a good time and I didn't want to interrupt you and make you mad that I didn't want to say anything when you went left instead of going right as God is my remember I wasn't in the church there so I I didn't have the sweet Holy Spirit in my life I literally wanted to jump in the back seat while I was driving and choke her neck. Because now, listen, that one that one wrong turn, and now we were five hours further from getting home. We were still heading home. We just took a five-hour detour. Josiah was in a faith-saving relationship but he was so far from the Lord that he needed to inquire how to get back on the right road. And don't miss this part. Because unlike me and driving home, Josiah was on the road to destruction. Because you could be in a faith-saving relationship with God. But if you keep traveling on the wrong road, something's got to give. You either completely surrender and get back when confronted with the truth, or you stay on the road to destruction. I felt sick to my stomach, realizing that I had five more hours to drive. Do you think the thief on the cross would have loved to have done it all over again the right way? None of us wants to get to our old age realizing we have abused our relationship with God. We may be saved, but I'd rather start heaven here and now in my walk with the Lord. The fathers had passed on to Josiah a religion that was far off from God's true witness. And when Josiah realized that he tore his garments in disgust. Verse 415. Well, 614. So Hilkiah the priest. Ahiakim, Aqabar, Shepan, and Azire Went to Hilda the prophetess. The wife of Shalom. The son of Tikva, The son of Haras. Keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke to her. And mind you. Praise God for godly women. Not only was his godly mother. Kept them on the path. But he went to Hilda a woman of God, to seek what the Lord was doing. Verse 15, she said to them, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they may provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, Therefore my wrath burns against this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard. Verse 19, Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, That they should become a desolation and a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I have truly, truly have I heard you declares the Lord. Therefore behold I will gather you to your fathers. And you will be gathered to your grave in peace. And your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. Fast forward to the end of time here on earth. The words spoken by Hilda to Josiah are the exact same words spoken to us in the last days. God will destroy this planet. But by the grace of God, we don't have to be part of that destruction. He will cleanse this planet from all evil, all pain, all suffering. Every wrong would be made right. And every question we have ever had about evil in this world will be answered and we will see things as they truly are. But let it be known and let it be recorded that her words are spot on. This place will burn. May it not burn with us in it. Josiah would rest. He will not see the destruction that was coming. And many of us will sleep before the last days really take hold. And many people are in a faith-saving relationship with God, but they need to be steered into the right path, to be made known the truth that we hold so dear and that are so pertinent to the last days. Many people need to see, because look, you may know the right answer in an exam, but if you don't know how you got there, you may get credit for the right answer, but you never ever feel comfortable The entire time. I want to have the peace of God. Throughout my life. Because there is nothing like sleeping with the peace of God in your life. When the world around you is falling apart. But if I have him. I have everything. I need. But Josiah. Remember. Was in a faith saving relationship with God. But he was so far from the truth. That he needed someone to instruct them, And when he got the word of the Lord. He was promised that he will remain in a faith saving relationship with God. But the destruction will come. I mentioned this in the seminar that we did. Many people and it bears repeating. Many people say God's love is unconditional. And in one sense it is. But in another sense, it is not. And so I want to clarify that. Because that's what's happening here. See, when we think of God's love as unconditional, all we think about is the benefits. Heaven, eternal life, the good fruit, you know, the tree of knowledge, I mean, the tree of life, the good stuff. But let me ask you, when God eventually destroys sin and sinners, is He not acting in love? Yes, Of course He is. So God's love in that sense is unconditional. He is going to love the righteous to the end, and He's going to love the wicked to the end. However, the benefits we think of are conditional. We need to remain in a faith-saving relationship. We need to stay holding on to the hand that holds us because we don't hold him, he holds us. But Josiah wasn't just satisfied with saving his own skin. He wasn't satisfied with just realizing that I'm okay, I'm good, I'm in the church. Josiah realized that if I am in a faith-saving relationship with God but just have found out that I am far from God and I am really to make things right, then Josiah not only keeps that truth, he doesn't just keep that truth to himself, he begins to share that truth. Turn with me to chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. Then the king sent and they gathered to him all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him and the priests and the prophets and all the people, both small and great, no discrimination. And he read in the hearings all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statues with all his heart and soul to carry out the words of this covenant that, are, that were written in this book and all the people entered into the covenant don't miss this when they read the book they read the book of what? the law and the law does what to us? It condemns us. It shows us where we fall short. He realized how far he was gone from God. But when he brought in a revival, when he shared this news, the, it changed. It's no longer the book of the law. It's the book of what? The covenant. The covenant where God says, I have paid the price for this covenant. Every blessing is yours because I have paid it. And if you enter into that relationship with me and follow the covenant stipulations, then we will remain in a relationship. And no matter what happens, even if we get gunned down in a massacre, if we are in Christ, we have eternal life. See it's no longer about the law that condemns me but the covenant that redeems me. It's not about the law that shows me my failings but it's about the God of the covenant who says I will clean you up every day of your life. Because we need it. Every day we need that cleansing shower of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't matter whether you are new to the church Or the ordained pastor. We all need that cleansing rain. And that rain is the Holy Spirit. And if you truly have that covenant relationship with God. You can't help but share it with others. Because I want my brother and sister there. But guess what? My brother and sister don't want to hear it from me. That's why I need you. Because a prophet is never accepted in his own home. But somebody else can say the very same thing. And it's good news. That's why together we can bring our family members into the household of God. But he didn't just stop in sharing it. It's not sufficient just to share it. We need to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That it's not only that we share it, but that people move on it. It's no sense that he read the book of the law and tore his clothes if he would have just stayed there and done nothing. But he didn't just stay there and do nothing. He shared it with all his leaders, both small and great. But it wasn't just sufficient to head knowledge. It had to lead to action. Look at verse Verse 10, as an example, you can read the, chap- the whole chapter by yourself. But verse 10, he, he also defiled Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom. And no man might make his son or daughters pass through the fire for Molech. What was his grandfather doing, Manasseh? Having his sons pass through the fire. What did Josiah realize? That it's not just heart knowledge, it's not just head knowledge, but I must take action in my life. The very sins of his grandfather he put an end to. Look at verse 11. And he did away with the horses with the king of Judea had given to the son, at the entrance of the house of the Lord by the chamber of Nathan Melech the official, which was in the precincts. And he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. It was no use to say, I have surrendered my life to God and I am no longer an alcoholic, but to keep the bar in your house fully stopped. It is no sense to say I have repented for my way of stealing while still having stolen items in your house. It's no way to say that I am going to dedicate my life to that which is pure, holy, and then watch things which are the very opposite of pure and holy. There has to be a reformation not only in my heart, in my mind, but in my actions. And it has nothing to do whether I am saved or lost. Because as we learned, Josiah was in a faith-saving relationship with God. But when you finally know better, if you do not act, you have acted against the Lord. So Josiah not only learned about God and changed his life. He shared his life, but he led a revival in the entire city. Look at verse 20 and 24. All the priests of the high place who were there, he slaughtered on the altars and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. He wasn't playing around. Now granted, we're not going to be doing that. But the point is what? I love how C.D. Brooks says, if you cross a bridge from sin to righteousness, it's time to burn the bridge. Because if you don't burn the bridge, you've made provisions to return. Sometimes you have to cut it off, whether it's friends of a former lifetime who all they want to do is talk about who you used to be, whether it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend that you're living in fornication with, or whether it's business practices that don't conform to his business practices. It may be legal on this earth, but it may not be ethical in the sight of God. We must conform our life to him. And it's not saying that you're lost. It's saying that you may very well be in a faith-saving relationship. Why? Because of the grace of God. But once we come to the realization of God. Now I had a teenager once say, then why would I want to know more? Right? If you're held accountable to more, then why would I want to know more? And it goes back to that parable that I told you was the toughest one in my life to understand the parable of the workers, right? The ones who worked right away knew they can provide for their family that day. The workers who came at the end got paid the same because God is grace, full of grace. But throughout their whole day, they were worried and clamoring and they were worried sick as to whether they'd be able to feed their family. I'd rather have the peace at the very beginning Because I'd rather know the Prince of Peace. See, this is not just theory or head knowledge. It is a relationship with an individual who loves you more than your parents, your spouse, your grandparents, or anybody else in this world. Jesus wants to bring you all the way home. He wants to plant you in front of the tree of life and tell you, Take your pick of the litter. He wants you to live eternal life. And he has saved many people who are not walking in the ways of the Lord. But it is up to us to preach to them the good news of the ways of the Lord. For when the trouble hits, make it remain faithful to the God of heaven. See, it's not about being saved or lost. It's about examining your life to make sure that I'm holding on tight. That I'm holding on tight. I'll close with this. Many of you know I shared it last week, and now, Deborah, I finally remembered the name. I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress to my children. And in one of the chapters, I read, faithful is killed, he dies for his faith. And I'm being honest here when I tell you that for a day and a half it bothered me. It really hit me. Because that's all I want to be. All I want to be is faithful. And it can cost me my life. But I have to be able to surrender. Be ready and willing to surrender my life. To have eternal life. I don't know why that story hit me so hard. But I realized that those kids who died in Uvalde, they didn't know that day they were going to die. And I know that the judge of the earth will do what's right by their life. But all we have to do is remain faithful. Not about being saved or lost in that sense. Josiah was in a faith-saving relationship with God even though he was far off. So examine yourself. Examine your church. Share this good news. Because there's a heaven to gain. There's eternal life to be. And there are people I love. Who I can't read their hearts. But I know I want them. To be with me. In the celestial city. Time for a revival. Not only. In our church. As a whole but in our church here at the Woodlands and in our own hearts. And a revival doesn't mean we're lost or that we need correction. A revival means that we want more of him. That we want to be so imbued with his love that everybody who comes across your life will realize there's something different about this person. And I want to know more. We're in a faith-saving relationship with God. But trust me when I tell you, there's more. There's more. And the more you know him, the more you'll love him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your amazing love. Father, we are here in a faith-saving relationship with you. But may we read the word and may that two-edged sword cut us where we need to be cut. Show us where we fail you. But thank you for the amazing grace. It's not about works. It's about you. Father, there's more to love. There's more to know. There's more to preach. Help us to remain faithful to you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.